This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha. And this is Serial Holic Sisters. True crime shit. What it do, what it do. Oh, you know, you know, I have a fun little, uh, little story that I'm going to tell you, but, um, first I wanted to give, I know (laughs) it's fun. Um, first I wanted to, you know, do our shout out before it just completely spaces us. Yes. Um, So huge, (laughs) huge shout out to our, our patron, Brian. Thanks for, um, being you know a member of you're, our you're awesome we see you stuff. we acknowledge we you. you we heart you <laughs> we heart you we heart you so I I have to tell you this fun little story I I felt like we were celebrities yesterday <laughs> I, I did not <laughs> it's, get this celebrity treatment that you did. <laughs> no it was so funny though um I mean it wasn't funny under the circumstances but it was funny so my middle child had we kind of talked about it like I don't know like a month ago or so but he broke his finger Mm -hmm. and And he had to get pins put in surgery yeah yeah he had to have surgery had pins put in well unfortunately we're two weeks away from getting his pins removed and his hand is infected it's super infected Um, you see me a picture and I was like oh yeah Yeah. that's not good it was bad (laughs) It was so bad. So it, it's crazy too. Cause like, he didn't tell me anything about it. Um, I, I watch his hand like daily. I check on it, you know, and on Friday, I noticed his hand was like significantly swollen more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than like it had been. Um, but it wasn't red. There was no issues with it or anything like other than the fact that it was swollen. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have you ice it and I'm going to give you some I gave him ibuprofen for the pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I questioned him and was like, why didn't you tell me your hand was swollen? (laughs) Like, like what? You know, it's swollen because it's gotta be tight feeling. It was super, super swollen. Anyways, the very next day he wakes up and it's hot to the touch. It's red. It looks bad. So I was like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to the emergency room. Right. Right. Um, it, It was awful. So anywho, we're um, in the emergency room, which the nurses and the doctors, all the staff, they were amazing there. Um, But one of the gals that came in to like give our information, just like, you know, the regular stuff, do the vitals and stuff. I was giving her my name and and my name in the system is still my maiden name Mm -hmm. and not my married name because my insurance is still my maiden name because I go by my maiden name at work. Um, I deal with a lot of suppliers and I don't want to confuse them. It just seemed too complicated to switch your name. (laughs) It did. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go through, you know, hundreds of emails and say, yes, this is the same Samantha. (laughs) Right. You know, so I kept it and then she, she was checking everything in and then she just kind of stopped and she's like, wait, 
can I ask you a question? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, do you have a podcast? I just <laughs> lost it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I you texted like so me and I was like, what? <laughs> Somebody recognized? That's so crazy to me. I mean, it's in the same town that I live in, but like, I didn't know the gal. So it was, <laughs> it was so fun. So I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like how you keep calling her a gal. That's crazy. I can't, I've never been recognized. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was fun. So uh, shout out to the nursing staff at Fredonia Regional Hospital. <laughs> Anywho, it is your week. It is my it is week. week. So it's I'm, my turn. I'm excited. So I am going to cover a pretty heavy case. So sorry about that. Okay. Um, you bummed me out last like week. Like heavy as in, heavy as in like gory? No, it's not super. It's just the whole everything surrounding the case is just very like very so sad, sad and heavy yeah Aww. yeah yeah so you're, but, gonna make, you're gonna make me make me cry <laughs> I'm gonna make you feel real sad yeah um you did that to me with Dorothy Scott so I was like okay no I'm just kidding <laughs> it was it Dorothy's case was still it's and it's still to this day super sad too yeah. like her son trying to you know that's terrible um figure everything out too yeah go on so this isn't an unsolved case like that though. It's like, so, so solved. Like it's very clear. There's no question about who did this. Like you'll oh, see okay. once I get into it. So you'll know what I mean. So, so basically I'm going to be like, oh, this mother liquor. <laughs> yeah, but no, like it's, you'll see. It's okay. 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 I'm excited. But yeah, it's all, okay. <laughs> let's get into it this week. <laughs> I'm going to cover <laughs> Kip Kinkle. So. You do you know that name? You probably you'll probably know I, it once. I think I know. I think I know this. I don't know. We'll, we'll get see. into it. So his, I'm kind of curious. His first name is actually Kipland. Kipland Philip Kinkle. He was I think I know this. Born August 30th, 1982, in Springfield, Oregon, to William and Faith oh. Kinkle. That's hard what? what did you say? I said that's that's Harlow's birthday. Oh, um, I hear a bird. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, is that distracting? Sorry, uh, to our listeners, <laughs> my, my, uh, my youngest is at our parents' house, like living it up with her brand new dollhouse. Giant and dollhouse, I was yeah. like, take it. yeah, it's giant. And I decided to take the advantage of us recording early because we always have better luck, at, you know, earlier. I always feel and like it's so much I, better in the morning. Like when we did the bonus episode, it was in the morning and I feel like it was so much better than at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. We're not tired. We're not exhausted. So I, um, I'm actually in my oldest son's room and it's a little warm, <laughs> warm up here. So I open the window. <laughs> So if you hear birds, no, they're not in my house, but they might as well be. <laughs> There's no screen on the window, right? So I'm going to like, no, <laughs> I'm just waiting so for a bird to fly into the room because <laughs> it sounded really close. Well, I, I'm more watching my cat because I'm like, he loves to be in the window. So if he goes up there, he's just going to fall right oh, no. out because I'm in the second story. <laughs> he won't though. He won't. He won't he he went outside once and was like never again <laughs> okay back to the story that I haven't even started <laughs> so 
He was born to William and Faith. distracted by the birds. I know they were so loud. All right. William and Faith Kinkle were his parents. He had a sister named Kristen who was six years older than him. Um, From the outside looking in, they seemed like a pretty picture perfect family. Bill and Faith were both highly respected in their community. They were both Spanish teachers. Um, Faith taught at Springfield High School and Bill taught at Thurston High School and at Lane Community College. Um, Kristen had always been super athletic and smart. Um, She was a cheerleader throughout high school and she graduated as valedictorian of her class. And then there was Kip. So Kip had been troubled from a very young age. He'd always been like a troubled child. Um, Even as a toddler, Bill and Faith like began to see signs that he was going to be like quite a handful growing up. Even as a toddler, he was super defiant and not just like regular toddler defiant, like let me throw a tantrum and see how far I can go. No, he'd be like, it was like he knew what he was doing. He's very smart about it. Like he'd be very well behaved at times if it like served his purposes. But then once he had his mind set that he wanted something, the word no, like literally lost all meaning. Like he could not, he would not be swayed. Um, There seemed to be no reason for how out of control he would get to. So it wasn't, this isn't one of those cases where um, as a child, he had a terrible childhood and he was like abused or neglected or anything like that. Kip was raised in a very warm and loving household. By all accounts, his parents were like really great people and they would go out of the way to try to make him feel like involved and included in everything. Um, They tried to get him involved in activities and tried to find like hobbies to keep him busy. Like they signed him up for karate classes and um, his dad, Bill, tried to get him into tennis because that's what Bill was really into. And so he was like, well, this is something that we could do together. But he didn't really get interested in any of that stuff. Um, Bill even retired from teaching in 1991 so that he could spend more time with Kip and try to like keep him busy. So let's see. So was he like getting into trouble? He started, as he got a little older, he started getting into trouble and I'm going to get into that. But yeah. It, oh okay so and you say troubled you say trouble I'm just like is it because like just his attitude or is it because like he's like catching fires places or right so like <laughs> you know what I mean as really when it was really when he was really little it was like his attitude they're like oh we got to try to take, like nip this in the bud you know but like as he started getting older he started getting into like actual trouble so in elementary school his teachers considered him immature for his age and they said that he lacked emotion and developmental skills and he got held back in the first grade. So he had to repeat first grade. Now it's possible that that was due to all the trouble that he had in kindergarten. So the year that he was in kindergarten happened to be the year that the Kinkles decided to take a year sabbatical and spent that time studying abroad in Spain. So for like his whole year in kindergarten, they were in Spain. So his kindergarten teacher didn't speak any English at all. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> right. So he's got this Especially whole language. at that age. Right. So he's got this whole, like, he gets, can't understand his teacher. His teacher can't understand him. And so then he goes back to Oregon for first grade, and he's, like, super behind because he didn't understand anything. Um, and so he got held back in first grade and had to repeat that. Then in second grade, they, t- they tested him to see if he was eligible for, like, special education services but he scored an average score on the neurological screening. So he like didn't qualify for that. Mm-hmm. He was noted to have disadvantages in motor skills and spelling. 
and it was noted that his frustration and and anxiety was alarmingly high. So that was in second grade. Oh, okay. That was in second grade. Yeah. Well, still, even in second grade, you're only like seven. (laughs) You're right. They're like, okay, his anxiety and frustration is like alarmingly high. So that's, that's something to, to look at guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in third grade, he continued to have problems in spelling, but he did like extremely well in math, like super well in math. And his parents decided to have him tested again. And this time he did qualify for the special education services. And by the end of the year, after having like all the help with that, it was noted that Kit performed outstandingly academically and he allegedly learned to control his frustration. So I say allegedly because we're going to learn that was not the case at all. Like, so he knew how to hide it. Exactly. Yeah. He knew how to hide his, his frustration. Right. He, he recognized even at that age that like, I, when I get mad, I act a little differently than everybody else. So yeah, he definitely knew how to like hide that frustration and anger and stuff, which is kind of creepy at such a young age that he knew that he should, you know? It, that's kind of what I was thinking too, because I mean, he's only like around seven years old. Right. It, that's so I'm gonna, nuts. That's, that's nuts. nuts. So I'm going to talk about some red flags that we start to see as a young child um, when it comes to Kip and things like hurting small animals which is no good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, these are red flags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these are, these are red flags for sure. So trigger warning here for animal cruelty. I don't like it. I'm gonna try to get through it quickly. Um, but that's, that's happening guys. So close your ear holes if you don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> at one point you have to hear it. You can't close your ear holes. At one point, um, a neighbor complained to his parents that he'd been tormenting their cat and Kip didn't deny Why it. Why is it always the cat? because they're small because <laughs> they're small and easy to catch I don't know it's real sad so he didn't it deny it sad. I feel like it's always the cat <laughs> in fact he would talk openly about doing terrible things like putting firecrackers in cats mouths and at one I know and at one point he talked about skinning a squirrel alive which is ugh. oh my god you can see my face or you can't see my face Sorry, I can see you your can face see and my face uh, <laughs> you can't see my face but I'm like oh my god yeah it's terrible he even claimed to have blown up a cow yeah what? how do you blow up a cow yeah so like from... how many yeah uh, I'm gonna tell you, you do... uh... <laughs> well I'm not gonna tell you I'm not gonna explain it I'm done talking about animals from a young age he was always super interested in like gun- guns and bombs and so he, like he could make the bombs or he could find the bombs. He could make them. So he bought an instructional bomb making book online at the school computer. Like he was on the school computer and he like ordered it online and had it sent to him. Um, uh, motherfucker is a special ed student. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to tell me something? No. Yeah. It's, it was, it's uh, not. <laughs> it was, I'm not saying anything negative about special ed students by all means but I'm just thinking most most kids don't just think about downloading or buying right so so he was super into like violence and like violent movies which always disturbed his parents but he he was like super into it and so he's seeing all these things and he was very smart when he 
was interested in whatever it was so like school stuff he didn't really care about that but like making bombs he like super cared about that so he got way into that and learning how to do it um he even did a how-to report in his literature class when he was in middle school I think um they had to do a report on like how to and like an instructional report on how to do whatever you chose so he did a how-to people most people choose how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich how to bake a cake right (laughs) (laughs) that's like the shortest report ever (laughs) no I'm just saying like things like this yeah um he did his on describing how to build a pipe bomb so and no red flag that's a red flag there classmates afterwards they began describing Kip as strange and morbid and he was voted most likely to start World War III by his classmates. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> that's not a red flag. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that, that sounds like you need to pull your kid from the school. <laughs> like that's, that's not okay. Um, his parents, they were like seeing a lot of this. They weren't seeing all of it. Like, I think he hid the bomb making books from them for like quite a while. Um, but they did know that he was super into like the violence and all that stuff. Um. And he, again, was having issues with, like, anger at home. He would get mad and, like, kick holes into the wall and just, like, tear stuff up. And they weren't super open about their troubles they were having with Kip because they're, like, they're, like, oh, this isn't for, like, the outside world to see. Like, we need to kind of try to get it under control on our own, not, like, blast all our business out there. Um, Mm -hmm. But there were a few close friends that they had that they started slowly confiding in and talking about this stuff with them. And at one point, Faith told a friend that she was deeply worried that her son had no conscious, conscience, conscious, conscious, <laughs> no conscious. <laughs> I said that and I was like, nope. Um, all, all I can think about is uh, Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> oh, <you> said that. <laughs> <laughs> she had no cricket with her. Not a, <laughs> he, 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 with had, he did not have a cricket with him at all. Um, have a cricket with him. <laughs> so by middle school, he had begun getting into a lot more trouble. Um, in eighth eighth grade, he was caught shoplifting CDs at the local Target, and it was all like the CDs he were into was like Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, like so you know how that like. Listen, though, I know. Okay, time out. <laughs> I know. I was like, I like Nine Inch Nails. I like Marilyn Manson. (laughs) (laughs) That is the kind of music that I listen to. Girl, same. We listened to Nirvana and Mm -hmm. Aerosmith, and we listened to rock music growing up. And well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that Aerosmith and Marilyn Manson are are a little different, but they're both amazing. They are. (laughs) But but we we listen. I listened to Marilyn Manson growing up. I listened to uh nine inch nails now right, I mean right. I uh ICP <laughs> you <It's>, know <laughs> we listen to all that kind of stuff <laughs> you laugh at that but it's true it's they're, true they're, yeah they're awful <laughs> they're, they're awful, bad but they're good <laughs> right but um, I mean, we listen to them and it didn't turn us into serial killers. exactly it's that same thing where like video they're, they're like they're like oh this is a red flag he listens to this music and we're like no the other things are red flags like the bomb making and the 
animal cruelty. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that drives me nuts. I can't stand when I hear or see people say that, you know, serial killer or murderous type of, you know, behavior was because of rock music or because right. they played Grand, Thre- Grand Theft Auto. I know, I know. On the freaking PlayStation. They would say Richard Ramirez was like super into ACDC. Like he even left an ACDC hat at a crime scene. My 12 year old's into ACDC. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not concerned. So, so are we. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, because he listened to Highway to Hill. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, but, come on, people. Come on. But he was shoplifting, which is bad. So he got caught shoplifting. Um, he bought a sawed off shotgun from a friend and hid it in his room. That's like a motherfucking his, red flag. <laughs> his parents never knew that he had that gun, like ever. He he just like hit it. I don't know how you get a shot a shotgun up to your room without your parents saying. <laughs> I, I mean, clearly, <laughs> clearly he did. But yeah, that's crazy. You just so, walk, just shredding your way right through the house. So don't mind me. I'm just gonna put this under my under my shirt. <laughs> right, right. Do do do. Like, come on. Um. At one point, Kip and a friend had supposedly gone to a snor- snowboarding clinic. And so that's what their parents thought they were doing. They're like, went to the snowboarding clinic. But they ended up getting arrested because they were throwing rocks at cars that were passing by on the highway. And they like hit a car with a rock, which is super dangerous. That could have been terrible. That, yeah, they could have wrecked and, right, you know, into another car flip their car they could have ran them over right so after this incident faith decided it was time to take kip to a psychologist so she took him to see dr jeffrey hicks um bill wasn't really for the counseling he didn't think that it would be helpful at all he thought it was kind of like a waste of time but he was like okay i'll go but i don't think it's gonna work um after their first session hicks concluded that kip had a uh he had difficulty learning in school, difficulty managing his anger, and he diagnosed him with major depressive disorder. So he said that he saw no signs of any kind of psychosis or thought disorders at the time. He was just like a really depressed kid. He continued to go to these counseling sessions and would seem to be doing better at times, but then he would do something to get himself back in trouble. So like he'd take one step forward and take two steps back. Like at one point he was, he was suspended from school for two days for assaulting another student that had shoved him. Um, I'm not sticking up from it all at this, but there's like, there wasn't a lot of info on that. That kind of sounds self-defense-ish to me. If some kid shoves you and then you like go back, like that just seems like something a middle schooler would do, but I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not right. It's not not right at all. I get get what you're saying too. I mean, it does sound a little self-defensive, but if he went, you know, a lot, more right like there wasn't any details about he escalated it a little bit right maybe it might have been escalation station I don't know but like (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) there I didn't see any real like details it just said kid shoved him and he assaulted him was suspended for two days yeah um four days after returning from that suspension he was suspended again for throwing a pencil at another student so he just kept doing these little things to get himself in trouble Around that time, Dr. Hicks suggested that Kit be put on an antidepressant to see if that would help. So he started him on Prozac. And for a while, that seemed to help. 
I was gonna say, which is also an anxiety medicine. Right. It's used as an anxiety medicine. Right. Um, so for a while that seemed to help with like his outburst of anger. But mm-hmm. meanwhile, all this time his obsession with guns became way bigger. Um, he started begging his parents to buy him a gun. And like I said before, once he had his mind set on something, he would not let up until he got his way. Right. So his parents resisted for like a while and would like try to keep him busy with other activities like try to find hobbies for him to stay busy. Um, when he started high school, they urged him to sign up for football, which he did, and he liked it. Um, after practices, he would be super worn out and ready for bed. So like, okay, this is good. He's playing, he's getting himself worn out, whatever. But it also seemed to make his isolation from everybody else a little bit worse because he was like this scrawny little 120 pound kid. And there was all these other big And all dudes. these big right football players right yeah so he wanted to be like them but he wasn't so he felt like he didn't belong so he started keeping journals and would write his thoughts and reading back on some of that stuff it was really sad to look at um one time he wrote I sit here alone I'm always alone I don't know who I am I want to be something I can never be in the end I hate myself for what I've become I sound so pitiful people would laugh at me if they read this real sad um that is sad I don't feel bad for him because I do know what this case is and I know what he did but (laughs) that is sad yes so and I'm I'm sorry that you hear cars (laughs) oh I didn't hear (laughs) I I did (laughs) I'm just like sorry listeners but (laughs) it's hot all right (laughs) (laughs) I'm hot so I'm hot I don't wear this sweater anymore I'm hot (laughs) That is drunk Mr. Rogers, if everybody's wondering. Um, (laughs) So he had journals and journals of stuff like that, that he was hiding and wasn't sharing with like his parents or a psychologist. He just like had all these thoughts and feelings that he was keeping all bottled up. Um, Meanwhile, they all think that he's doing so much better. He's on this Prozac. He seems to be doing better. Eventually, he got back to the gun obsession. And after begging for quite a while, Bill finally gave in and bought Kip a gun. So Faith was super against this, but Bill thought that if he got him a gun, it would be like a kid with a toy. Like he'd be super into it for a second and then he'd get over it and move on to the next thing that he wanted. It was like, I don't like that you're into this, but I'm not going to say no, you can't like this because everybody knows the whole forbidden fruit thing doesn't really have a history of working out for teens. Right. <laughs> like, right. like, for example, I was forbidden from seeing my high school boyfriend and so I snuck around behind my parents back and now we've been married for 13 years so that worked really well (laughs) so for a while that it's funny that you said that too because I remember distinctly one time I think it was it was either junior or senior year mom and dad got super mad and tried to say the same thing about Dallas and I specifically said do you remember that? I specifically said, you can tell me that I'm not going to date him, but I'm just going to do what Crystal did and go behind your back. So <laughs> way to throw me under the bus. No, <laughs> I did. I totally threw you under the bus. It's okay. Cause we used to bribe Chris, your husband, um, that we would tell on you guys. When you didn't, you, you were... didn't bribe him. He, we bribed you guys. You like held it over. Oh, yeah, no, we, we held it over you guys' head. We were like, if you don't go to Chick-fil-A for us, I'm going to tell mom I'm and dad. 
y'all we were the worst <laughs> we were we were but now we're both married to both those guys and yeah here we are so instead of trying to like straight up ban it he tried to allow his son to have this hobby but like in a safe supervised setting so before giving kip the gun he laid down some rules he's like okay you're gonna have to pay the gun off it's gonna be locked up in a gun safe and you can only fire the gun if i'm there with you and then also right. we're both going to take these gun safety classes together before you're even allowed to handle the gun. So Bill purchased a nine millimeter, nine millimeter Glock 19 semi-automatic pistol. So by June 3rd, not June, July 30th, 1997, Kip's emotional improvement had been going so well that he was allowed to discontinue his counseling with the psychologist. So they, they were like, okay, you don't have to come to any more sessions. You're doing so well. And then after being on Prozac for three months, Kip said that he felt a lot better and he wanted to stop the medicine. And mm -hmm. so Bill and Faith were like, yeah, we feel like you've turned the corner. You're doing so much better. Like, if you don't want to take it, we're not going to force you to take it. So he stopped the medicine. Um, meanwhile, they had no idea that during this time, their home was slowly turning into an arsenal. So, yeah. yeah. Right. He had the nine millimeter Glock that Bill had bought him, and he had the hidden sawed off shotgun that they had no idea about. Mm -hmm. During that summer, Kip had also bought a 22 caliber Ruger, Ruger MK2 semi automatic pistol from a friend and hid that in his room with the shotgun. So there's two guns they didn't know about. Once the, the new school year started, his parents thought he was doing so well that Bill bought him a 22 caliber Ruger 1022 semi automatic rifle. So that's two guns that they know that they bought him. And then he's got but two. They guns. know that they bought him. And then he's got two hidden. Two hidden. He also um, purchased a hunting knife from a friend that they didn't know about. So he was hiding that too. So he's just getting all these weapons. Plus he's like got all this bomb making stuff that he's into. Um, he started making small explosives and detonating them. And his parents like knew about this. But he told them that it was his way to like vent and blow off steam so he wouldn't have angry outbursts so they were like uh, okay. okay uh no <laughs> right <laughs> um, i mean no right. so just no <laughs> but yeah he'd make like these little bombs and like set them off and they're like what you doing there and he's like oh this is my way to blow off steam and they're like okay cool 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 and that was that like <laughs> i feel like they were scared for their lives and they were like there was one one statement from one of bill's friends that said that he literally said that he was terrified and didn't know what else to do when it came to kit i'm like well so if sad. you're feeling that way don't buy guns for him for sure like i know <laughs> so at the same time kip started his first high school romance his literature class started studying romeo and juliet Oh, got, Jesus. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this isn't going to go well. This is not going to go well. So he got super into, <laughs> into it. And he like was writing letters back and forth to his girlfriend, even mentioning Romeo and Juliet. Like, <laughs> it's not okay. Like, calm down. Um, this is not a good thing. They killed each other. Thing. Well, not killed each other, but killed themselves. They killed themselves. Yeah. So yeah. this was all taking place just, I think it was like two years after the modernized version of Romeo and Juliet came out, you know, with Leonardo oh, DiCaprio okay. and Claire Danes. <laughs> so good old Leo. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yeah, they, Leo. they watched that movie in class, like as they were learning it. So <laughs> do you remember this movie? I do. I yeah. Remember this it was a little different than Shakespeare's version because in this oh, version, it was, the, 
the Montagues it's and the Capulets were rival gangs. So there was like all this yeah, gun was, gang violence. It was a lot different. <laughs> yes. Well, Kit became obsessed with this movie. You know how he likes the guns. He, he became obsessed night. with it. Towards Good the end. Night. <laughs> towards the end of them studying Romeo and Juliet, him and his girlfriend broke up. And he did not take it very well. Um, after, on one of his essay questions on a quiz after this, his teacher wrote, I am concerned next to his answer. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at that, but that's, I mean, bruh. <laughs> right. Well, this is, concerned a long this is, time ago. this is the answer. So it was like an essay question. I don't know what the question is, but this is the answer. He said, I really wouldn't know how to answer this question because my cold black heart was never and will never experience true love. I can tell you one thing about love. It does more harm than good. I plan to live in a big black hole. My firearms will be the only things to fight my isolation. I would also like to point out that love is a horrible thing. It makes things kill and hate. And so she was like, I am concerned. <laughs> like, that's I'm concerned. Uh, I would slightly, be calling the police. <laughs> slightly dramatic after your first breakup, I feel like. I mean. Uh, maybe a little bit of FBI <laughs> action, okay? Come on. I am so concerned. Dramatic. Really? Yes. That's all you put? Call in your parents. Maybe okay. Call, maybe call in some, a therapist. Call <laughs> somebody. therapist. Call, call somebody. somebody. <laughs> so now we're going to get into <laughs> the terrible stuff. So May 20th, 1998, Kip was 15 years old. Bill gets a call from the school saying Kip is in big trouble this time. <clears throat> so what happened was Kip arrived at Thurston High around eight that morning. The night before he had arranged to buy a stolen 32 caliber Beretta pistol from a kid named Corey Ewart for $110. So Corey had stolen the gun from one of his friend's father's. And when the father discovered the gun was missing, he immediately called police and he like gave them a list of some of his son's sketchier friends and was like, I would check these kids out. They might be responsible for this. So Kip's mm -hmm. name was not on that list, but after they questioned some of the classmates and some of the other friends, they kind of directed the school officials to Kip. So they called him into the office. And when asked about the gun, Kip said, look, I'm going to be square with you guys. The gun's in my locker. So they checked his locker and they found the gun in a brown paper sack. And it was like fully loaded with a nine round magazine and ready to fire. Like it was completely loaded and everything. So Kip and Corey were both suspended and they were pending expulsion. So they were most likely going to be expelled. They well, were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't do that. So they were arrested into the school. <laughs> mm -mm. So they were arrested and taken to the police station and booked. So um, when he was being led away by police, it's reported that he whispered, they'll get theirs as they're like leading him away. So that's creepy as fuck. Um, he was released from police custody when Bill arrived at the station to pick him up and drive him home. Bill told him that if he didn't improve his behavior, he would be sent to boarding school like he's like I don't know what else to do seems like I've tried everything to help you like I don't know what we need to do so later that afternoon Bill had been talking to a friend on the phone and this friend said that Bill seemed surprisingly upbeat about working things out with Kip um he had no idea that while he was on the phone Kip was retrieving the Ruger 1022 rifle and loading it 
So at about 3.30 that afternoon, Kip snuck downstairs and saw his father sitting with his back to him at the bar type area drinking coffee. He pointed the gun at the back of his head and fired one single shot, killing his father instantly. He then dragged his father's body to the bathroom and covered him up with a white sheet. So sad. So sad. Out, then, of, out of everyone, this is what gets me about this. Um, out of everyone, his father tried the hardest. He, he really tried did. the hardest. He tried to get him to into hobbies with help him. him. He tried to get him like to interact with him. Right. He tried the hardest. And he was never like, he never was abusive towards him. He never gave up on him. Like, and he never gave up on him. Right. He never, he never he gave ne- up on him. He never gave up on him. He was never abusive physically or emotionally. Like he was never like yelling at him all the time. Like he really did try. And like all, all you kids that, that like, if kids are listening, which is so sad, please don't kids. listen. <laughs> kids, get <Kids>. around. <laughs> Come hither. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but like, it, it's just so sad because like this particular case, the dad just did like he literally quit working. Right. He just retired. To help his kid. Yeah. It's real sad. Um, yeah. After he moved into the bathroom, he just sat in the house for several hours waiting for his mom to get home. So um, during that time before his mother got home, a couple of his friends called to check on him and find out like what had happened at school that day. Mm-hmm. And he talked to them on the phone like normal. He didn't mention anything about what he'd done. And then um, around 6.30 that night, Faith got home. So Kip was watching for her from a window in the living room. He was like watching for her to pull up. She pulled into the garage and Kip went down to meet her. So I say down because their garage was kind of like a basement garage. Like it was under the house. And then there was these stairs that you would walk up to to get to the house. So he he goes down um, to meet her and to help her with her bags that she had like I'm going to come down here and help you carry your bags and stuff right um she starts walking up the stairs to the house and with her back to him Kip says I love you and then shot her twice in the back of the head so he realized that she was still alive after those two shots yes and oh I didn't know that (laughs) yeah she was still alive and so he shot her three more times in the face and once in the heart Yes. He then I mean I knew like it I knew that he uh, had shot his mother more times than his father but I didn't know she like lived for the first two shots. She did. And he had he said he had waited till her back was turned and said told her I love you cuz he didn't want her to know it was coming. Like he didn't want her to see that he'd killed the dad. Like he didn't want to hurt her. He then dragged her body across the garage floor and then covered her with the white sheet also. So she's laying in the garage covered with the white sheet. He's upstairs in the bathroom covered up with the white sheet. Then he went upstairs and watched his favorite show, South Park. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> what the fuck is right? After he was done with that, he went to work. And I'll tell you about that later. So the next morning, he, he took a page right out of John List's book. So he turned mm. on Liebestad. It's a German opera type song from the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he put it on repeat. So it continuously played until somebody physically turned it off. Just like John Litz with the creepy classical music plan. 
Um, he got <laughs> you dressed. Just walk in and it's like you just yeah. walk in the house and you hear that and you're like, I'm, that's, I'm gonna nope the fuck out exactly. here. Exactly, <laughs> that is what you do in that case. You just nope the fuck out. Um, he got <laughs> dressed. Plan this already is bad. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> he put on a trench coat to conceal the three guns he was carrying taped uh the hunting knife to his leg and he taped two bullets to his chest so with him he had 1127 rounds of ammunition on him it's a lot of ammo he got into his mother's ford explorer and he drove to thurston high so he parked on north 61st street about two blocks from the school and jogged along a dirt path to the school he walked past some friends on his way inside the building and they said that he looked kind of off and he told them to stay away from the cafeteria and then he entered the building around 7 55 that morning and as soon as he entered he fired two shots into the hallway with the ruger rifle so one of those shots wounded a boy named ryan atterbury the other shot fatally wounded a 16 year old boy named ben walker walker was transported to a hospital but he was taken off life support once his parents arrived to say their goodbyes like he wasn't going to make it i know it's so sad so kip continued down the hall towards the cafeteria he was headed that way because he knew that's where everyone gathered in the morning before classes like everybody would just sit Mm -hmm. in the cafeteria and wait for it to be time to go to class so as he entered the cafeteria it was occupied by over 200 students he walked in and he walked across the room with the rifle at his hip and just started firing the remaining 48 rounds from his rifle And he shot those 48 rounds into the crowd in a total of 90 seconds. So during that, he wounded 24 students and he killed 17-year-old Mikhail Nikolosin. Kip then aimed his rifle at Michael Crowley's head and pulled the trigger, but the magazine was empty. So, yeah. Can you imagine? Um, Oh my gosh. (laughs) I feel like I would just die of a heart attack right there. Right? Like I would be dead like, anyways. Like heart heart failure. Like, like my heart would just stop. That's terrifying. So while he was trying to reload the rifle, 17-year-old Jacob Ryder saw a chance to try to stop him. Jacob was a star wrestler at the school and he had already been shot once in the lung, but he still oh managed. Yes. But he still managed to tackle Kip. And the two of them like started struggling. During the struggle, Kip managed to get the Glock from his belt, and he fired once, shooting Jacob in the finger. So now he's been shot twice. Other students started jumping in to try to help Jacob. They were able to subdue him and disarm him. So I think it was like, it was seven students altogether, including Jacob's brother, Josh, that were involved in like tackling him and taking him down. Kip repeatedly yelled out, just kill me, while they held him down waiting for police who arrived around 8.04 and arrested him. So he walked in at like 7.55, 8.04 is when police are finally there to get him. So it didn't take too long, but that's still a long ass time. That's like 10 minutes of just- That's 10 minutes of just which would seem Which would seem like hours, I feel like. Oh God, yeah. Especially if you'd been shot or like in that vicinity. When he got to the police station, Kip was brought into a room to be interviewed by Detective Al Worthen. Now, somehow during his pat down, nobody had noticed the hunting knife that he had taped to his leg. I was going to say, like, (laughs) yeah, nobody, nobody Nobody noticed noticed. it. So Detective Worthen like left the room briefly 
And while he was gone, Kip somehow got the knife from his leg and was holding it. And when the detective opened the door, he like came at him with the knife. I'm like, how do you miss that and pat down? I feel like you, you pat everything, right? <laughs> you do. You go one leg, one leg. <laughs> right. Definitely feel that. <laughs> right. So um, Worthen was able to move quickly out of the way and like pepper sprayed Kip. And so they got the knife away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after everything had kind of calmed down, he began to interview Kip. And I listened to the tape of the interview and like read the transcript. It was pretty hard to listen to because like just, just listening to him, first of all, you know what he's done. It's terrible. He's well, crying. You know he's a troubled kid. Yes. He's crying through most of it. And he like truly seems to feel guilty about what he'd done. Oh. It's whatever. not like... I know, but it's not what I'm saying. It's not like one of those cases where like the killer is like super cold and matter of fact. It's but still again, I know I'm not sticking up for him. I'm just saying. I feel like, I feel like that he knew that he had to show some kind of emotion. Oh, probably. I yes. Feel, he was very I feel smart. like it was fake. Yeah. I, I think that was just all staged for himself. Like either way, oh, it's I'm going to listen to it. Is, I'm sure it is, but I'm just saying like, oh, I'm going to act like I show remorse maybe if I show remorse I'll get out of it a little bit so he keeps no. he keeps repeating I had to do it I had no other choice which like you had all the other choices like you did not have to do this. <laughs> you had, had all so choices. many choices um <laughs> he keeps there was so many and you chose the wrong one <laughs> he chose the worst one yes so he kept repeating that he loved his parents He's like, my parents were good people. I had no other choice. I had to do it. Um, Worthen asked Kip why he had come at him with the hunting knife. He's like, you came at me. Like when I opened the door, you came at me with a knife. Like, why'd you do that? And he replied, because I wanted you to shoot me. I just want to die. So when asked about the two bullets that they had found taped to his chest, because somehow they found these two bullets taped to his chest, but they didn't find a hunting knife taped to, to his leg. Right. right. <laughs> Um, they asked him about that and he said that he had put those there so if he ran out of ammo he could kill himself before he was captured right when asked about killing his mother he got really emotional and they're like so why did you do it he's like I had no choice if she had seen what my father what I did to my father and then he just like started wailing like and crying and he kept saying over and over they loved them they were good people so it's real hard whether it's fake or not it's still really hard to listen to. <laughs> um, it, yeah. Meanwhile, at around 9.30 that morning, before Kip had confessed to killing his parents, officers arrived at the Kinkle home to kind of like check on them. They're like, nobody's heard from that from them. He's done this. So they hadn't, they hadn't been informed that his parents were dead. Right. So police arrived at the house. They could hear the opera music playing loudly from inside. I'd said the night before he went to work after he watched South Park. So yeah. he'd gone to work on making and setting up five homemade bombs around the home. So, yes, one was found underneath his mother's body. Four were made from soda cans and a fifth bomb he had made and put inside of a fire extinguisher. So police had to evacuate. They evacuated like 15 houses nearby, got everybody out, and they had to bring a bomb squad in to like detonate the bomb, like inactivate the bombs. They also discovered two stashes of inactive homemade bombs 
that he had made and just like hadn't set up. One was under the front porch and one was in Kip's bedroom. They found a note in the living room on the coffee table that he had left describing his motive for killing his parents. So he wrote, I just got two felonies on my record. My parents can't take that. It would destroy them. The embarrassment would be too much for them. They couldn't live with themselves. My head just doesn't work right. Goddamn, these voices in my head, I have to kill people. I don't know why. I have no other choice. So apparently Kip had told doctors that he had been hearing voices in his head as early as 12 years old. He described three voices. Voice A. Like, what? like a schizophrenic? He wasn't no, like. No, I know. But I'm saying like, was he ever diagnosed with that? So he like was. schizophrenia? He wasn't. Um, but after all this they're pretty positive that he is like he yeah so he had voice a who commanded him to commit violent acts voice b who just repeated nonstop insulting stuff and depressive statements about himself to him like oh you're you're so terrible like you'll never be good enough whatever you're a worthless person yeah right and then voice c who constantly echoed what a and b said so he's hearing all these voices in his head and they're um, all negative. And they're all terrible negative voices. He yeah, claimed, they're negative impacts. He claimed that he felt punished by God for being subjected to these voices. And he later said that it was voice A who instigated him killing his parents and attacking the students at school. He said that um, the night after he murdered his parents, before he went to the school the next morning, he wanted to kill himself, but he couldn't bring himself to it. Like he, he said, I pointed the gun at my head several times, but I just couldn't do it, which is why he said he wanted to get them to kill him because mm-hmm. he, he was too scared to himself, he but he couldn't do it. Him. Right. So he, meanwhile, he still has this older sister, Kristen. She's like gone away. Say, whatever happened. So she whatever went, happened she to went to college sister. in Hawaii. So she's in Hawaii at the time of college. Um, <laughs> yes. And she the the story hits the news and her phone starts going crazy with people calling her and like hey have you like do you know what's going on which she didn't so that's how she found out that her younger brother had murdered her parents parents. yes so i can't even imagine awful exactly so on may 22nd 1998 kip was arraigned and he was charged with 58 felonies including four counts of murder and 24 counts of attempted murder Mm mm-hmm because he was a juvenile, the death penalty did not apply to him. Um, the defense argued that he was clearly mentally ill at the time of the attacks. And if he had received sufficient medical treatment earlier, the events could have been prevented. So they're saying the defense is saying that. However, Dr. Hicks, the psychologist that he had been seeing, testified that Kip was in satisfactory mental health by the time his parents had stopped his treatment right okay that's a lie (laughs) so the defense included the defense included evidence showing like they did a brain scan that suggested that he was schizophrenic they claimed that without treatment that he needed he was a ticking time bomb he was walking around with a potentially inflammatory undiagnosed illness and um according to them he had been experiencing hallucinations and delusions for quite some time including the fact that he thought the disney company like walt disney company was trying to take control of the u.s government by implanting computer chips in his brain so like (laughs) he and his family had gone on a trip to disney once and he's like certain that they like they're trying to track him they put a computer chip in his head um 
just all this crazy stuff. Well, apparently they decided the the insanity plea was too risky because um, if he pled not guilty by reason of insanity, he would have to go to trial and risk like people either believing that he actually is hearing these voices and stuff or people being like, no, he's just making this up to get out of it. He's just, yeah. So they were like, this is too risky. So three days before jury selection was set to begin, uh, Kinkle pled guilty to all counts. So instead of a trial, he was supposed to go straight to a sentencing hearing. So he wouldn't have to like go in front of a jury. So after hearing 50 people testify about how Kip had completely altered their lives, all these people that had been affected by this, Judge Jack Madison was ready to read Kip his decision. So Kip was sentenced to 25 years for the murders of his parents and Ben and McHale, and then an additional 40 months for each count of attempted murder. So in total, it was a total of 111 years in prison with no possibility for parole. So 111 years, not getting out, no chance of parole. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is heartbreaking. You ain't getting out, bro. <laughs> yeah. After Judge Madison read his sentence, there was like this huge commotion in the courtroom and someone yelled out, call a doctor. So apparently Mark Walker, who was the father of Ben Walker, the one that had to be taken off life support in the hospital. Um, when the judge read his sentencing, Mark collapsed on the ground. Um, over the years, Kip has filed for a few appeals, all of which have been denied. They and, always do. Yeah, in June of 2007, <laughs> when he was about to turn 25, he was transferred from the Oregon Youth Authority to the Oregon State Correctional Institution because he was like at that age now where he needs to go to the big boy prison. Um, yeah, sorry. He is now 38 years old and he's still there. The last update I saw was in December of 2020, so not long ago. Um, and that was talking about a judge denying his request to have the state's higher court consider whether or not he's entitled to be released after serving 25 years of prison. The judge was like, no, no. you're not. No, because you're clearly not stable. No, not stable. Like, if anything, you're probably more unstable being in prison. Right. Like, you, just, you do not need to be released. <laughs> he's just been sitting there with, with the voices in his head for all these years. Like, no. Which, which granted, like, schizophrenia is a terrible, terrible thing It's so thing terrible to and it's so sad. It, that it does it rips people apart and and it's sad and it's very traumatizing and I feel for any family or anybody that has to go through that because I could only imagine having you know to live day to day wondering what you're gonna hear who you're gonna be right you know. <laughs> which is why it's so important to let people know so you can be treated like it's it's very important I mean it's a terrible, terrible thing to have. Yeah. And I feel for anybody that has to go through it. It's got to be an exhausting lifestyle. And so it turns out that there was, there was mental illness on both sides of his parents' family to the point where there were several people that had to be like institutionalized. Like it was, yeah, it was big time mental health issues on both sides. And they didn't really disclose that what I read they didn't really disclose that to the psychologist and he wasn't well, concerned about it I was gonna say they probably didn't right. want to disclose they, that I they mean, didn't want exactly to talk about it's hard to talk about that and and honestly like with how supportive his parents were to him and how much they try to help him I'm mm -hmm. sure they were thinking 
oh, this isn't the case, you know, right, we, right. we're getting him the help he needs. This isn't the case. Like, we don't have to worry about this. There's no reason to, to make this into something that it's not. Like, we don't want them to diagnose him with something that may not be the case. Like, I get it, but I, right. I also can't stress enough how important it is to provide all the background information, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if you're hearing these types of things, if you're struggling with mental health, mental health is not anything to mess with. It is not. Mental health is so important to like stay on top of like, it, is. it, it, it really is. is. And he was not being treated for it and no. terrible, terrible things happened. And this was actually, this was actually, um, happened right around the time in the 90s when all of these school shootings were happening so like Pearl Mississippi happened Mm -hmm. um Jonesboro Arkansas the Sandy the uh there was like five there was like five in a row that happened that seemed to happen like back to back and he was actually like following all that and super interested in it um he it's so sad he talked to friends about it and he told friends like if I were to do this this is what I would do differently or which is a huge red flag I mean there were so many red flags I just I don't know I these types of things really they get to me especially having kids you know in school you worry it's terrifying and the fact and the fact that our schools now um, implemented, like I know our school here has implemented a, in case of a school shooting, this is our lockdown. Like yeah. it's sad that it comes to those That's... drastic measures because, you know, we've seen so much happen in the last 20, 30 years of between uh-huh. school shootings, um, college shootings, like all of those situations that, could have been prevented if people notice the red flags. That's why it's important to like, if you see somebody that's struggling, maybe you're not struggling, but you see somebody that's struggling or showing signs of, you know, this behavior, this chaotic, crazy behavior, Mm -hmm. tell an adult. (laughs) Seriously. I remember Tell an adult that you know is going to listen too, because that's also another thing. You know, some of these kids probably are telling adults, but some adults don't take it seriously. Right. I know this- if my kid walked through the door and said, Hey, this kid was talking about doing this and this, I'm be like, uh, no, let's, <laughs> we're going to go talk to somebody. <laughs> let's we're go do something about mother. this. Right. We're going to talk to his mother. We're going to talk to law enforcement. <laughs> I remember like- a few years back. So my kiddo school the elementary and the middle school are in the same school together. And then there's the high school. Mm-hmm. So they were in elementary school and there was this whole thing one day and it was all over Facebook. Everybody was freaking out about it, that these kids had made this list. It was like going through Snapchat and stuff. Somebody had screenshotted it on Snapchat and was showing the parents. These kids had made this list and said that they were going to bring a, a gun to school the next day and had this list of who they were going to shoot Yes. I remember you telling me about it was, that. So my kids were in elementary school and it was like these middle schoolers and it was freaking and you terrifying. Kept them home. I kept them home because yes. it's just like this situation, you know, everybody met in the cafeteria before school, everybody goes to the gym at their school, like elementary school, mm-hmm. middle schoolers, everybody is just sent to the gym until it's time to go to class. And I was like, that is freaking terrifying. Like I was scared to send them to I school remember- for like a while after that. Like, oh yeah, I remember that. I because they were like, man, 
it was when they were a lot younger yeah yeah it was I yeah no it's I remember the first time that they did um a lockdown at our school here to do like you know security like they were going through a drill like the lockdown drill and um I have the school I signed up for alerts on my phone from the school so like it's reminders alerts anything like that and all of a sudden we got this big alert that locked down or whatever, like it, and it freaked me out. Like yeah. I'm at work. I, I work 35 minutes away from, right, from right. town and I'm freaking out. I'm That's like me. It's a, I'm like 45 minutes away. I was like 45 minutes away at work from them at school. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, they're y'all, they're all not going to school. Like, and it's scary because you and don't none know, of us knew. you don't know, like this could happen any day. Like what if they had what if they hadn't like made this list and sent it to somebody and somebody screenshot it like what if they just decided like him they just walked in yes Mm -hmm. like it's terrifying everything is so scary when you have kids (laughs) y'all it really is when we grew up we could go play outside in the backyard or go down the right the block to the creek I say I walked (laughs) I walked around the whole neighborhood all day when I was all the time all the time just me and my friends just walking around and we need yeah. to be home by the time it was dark. Like, <laughs> when the street lights come on, you're right. home. Right. You can't do that now. And and I like it's crazy because people look at me like I'm crazy because some of the the kids in town do do that because you know their parents grew up and they were right they were okay with it. And you're so in a super like, oh, super yeah, small town. Kids, but I can't bring myself to do it. Like no. I, if my kids want to go somewhere, I either drop them off or I'm with them. Right. Like. It, it is what it is. And it's just because like the way that our society has turned, it's just, it's so crazy. So this, this case really, it brings to light, like the things that you should definitely be on the lookout for. <laughs> just be aware, just be aware people, be aware. check on your friends, see how their mental health is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even at everybody got them phones now shoot them a text are you okay girl how you feeling yeah so yeah like I told you heavy case it is a heavy super case. sad I agree and that's that on that so okay. yeah okay Y'all so yeah follow, uh, all, follow stuff. all the stuff <laughs> <laughs> I'll follow all the stuff uh Better. you can find it all on serialholicsisters.com yep it's all there if you haven't and if you haven't signed up for our Patreon, you totally should. Um, it is May. It's officially May. Oh, <laughs> so it is. that means it is. So that means <laughs> our uh, bonus, <laughs> our bonus exclusive episode will be um, coming out soon. So be on the lookout, all you Patreons, patrons, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Patreonites. <laughs> yeah, Patreonites. Yeah. So if you haven't, it's totally worth it because we do try to mix it up a little bit on there. Yeah. 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 And you can listen to the one we did last month. It's, it was fun. Um, all right. Let's be awkward. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>